I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. I'm April, VP of the cutting-edge sex toy company, Hot Octopus, and I dedicate my life to the business of sex. We are on a mission to teach you how to have hot sex, deep intimacy, and how to make your own rules for who you are as a sexual being. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Don't forget to head on over to our website, shamelesssex.com, for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to your monthly bonus episode. What does that mean? It means that is ad free. Hooray. You all love ads. You don't like ads. I don't know. We get mixed reviews and we need ads because that keeps the podcast free for you all. And guess what? We only choose sponsors that we absolutely love because April and I are real, real picky on our side. This is an ad about ad free <laughs> coming to you hot. So spend $9.99 right yeah, now. So go ahead. <laughs> five, five, five. Just kidding. Okay. So um, as is with all of our bonus episodes, we're just going to dive right in. We have the wonderful Finn Deerheart on our podcast on our show. Finn is a sex and intimacy coach who can help you have relationships that are way deeper, way hotter, and that will change your life. Who does not want that? I do. Um, He's also um, tagged, I got this from your website, Finn, so I hope this is okay. The Gay Rebel with a Heart-Centered Cause. Love it. I love that. Because April and I are fucking rebels, too. So we're pretty heart-centered with a heady twist. Yeah. Is that that self-proclaimed, self-deemed, the Gay Rebel? Or is someone um, that title? It's kind of a combo. Like, I, I do call myself a rebel. There's a part of me that's totally rebellious, and it used to be, you know, harmful for me now I really think I'm channeling it in a way that really works for me mostly um but I also worked with a rebranding group and they heard me say that and they're like "Ooh, let's insight it's kind of tweaked my words and yeah mm-hmm. story that's creative but awesome I love it. I, I love it. And I love the heart center piece. And I've met you in person and I know your partner. And so I know for a fact that you are heart centered being your wonderful human. And let's just dive right into the story of who you are and how you got to be where you are today. Tell our listeners more about <clears throat> Finn Deerheart. Mm. Where do you want me to start? Like all the way back? Yeah. Wait, so the day you were born, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, well, well. <laughs> so... Okay, the most, you know, the edited story here. Like, I was raised in the South. My dad was a minister in the Church of Christ, or still is, actually. And really, really strict Southern religion. Um, I mean, probably, I mean, the strictest that I know of. <laughs> like, it was pretty intense. And um, my dad also was really harsh and severe with me. And there's just been a lot of trying to work through that the rest of my life. But the way that impacted me so in, so much was, like, sex was, like, a huge issue in our family like it was like an embarrassment to talk about even with my parents it was like I didn't really see them being very affectionate a lot and like anytime sex was like brought up there was also like the bible would have to be brought up too Mm -hmm. um they kind of like went hand in hand and yeah and I got punished a lot for talking about sex I got um I snuck around a ton and I knew I was gay really early on I had some experiences with my friends and cub scouts and stuff and I just started like really stuffing that down and I was really terrified. I was bullied at school a lot too. So I just kept pushing that further and further in the closet. I got married to a woman after Mm -hmm. I actually went to ministry school myself 
and had a congregation of my own for a while. Um, and I married her and I really loved her a lot. She was my best friend at the time. And I really cherished our relationship, but it, there was also like this element of like feeling really safe because like this beautiful woman chose me and that kind of made me safe in my mind, you know, from all the abuse that I'd taken in my life and the fear of being gay. Mm. So that went on for many years, like eight years, and we were together and we dated guys together. We we started trying to like experiment with like what was coming up for me as authentically as I knew how to, but really I was very dishonest and living a double life and, you know, having sex with men a lot. And um, in the end, that was a painful, painful thing, um, coming to terms with just being gay and just being able to say that out loud and... Um, you know, so then I got gay, <laughs> like, uh, like, hey, gay, you know, and then, <laughs> guys, and, um, you know, I was doing the singles thing and, you know, I didn't really have to encounter the shame stuff, um, until I got into, um, this partnership that I'm in now, actually, mm-hmm. because I dated a lot of guys and I'd had boyfriends, but I controlled those relationships so much that I didn't really have to really touch what I was carrying. And then in this relationship that I'm in now, um, about four years ago, I started um, really feeling the effect of shame in, in the form of inhibitions in my body and just like uh, like panic. And like a lot of the things I've been, we all say these things to ourselves and our minds, we kind of like bury them a lot. And then when they come to light, it can be really scary. So I got into therapy and eventually it became my life path. It's like my work now because I was so affected that I wanted to um, help other men because I started talking about all this stuff and other guys were like, Oh my God, me too. You know, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we can go into more about that too, mm-hmm. but if you want to know more about like how that was showing up, but that's, yeah, what, that's it, what I got here. <laughs> and that's your, and your inspiration. So the, in the work that you do, so so many people that we interview are, I think the last person we interviewed, uh, Ida Mandalay was like, I got into this profession of sex education and therapy and being a social just, justice advocate because I was pissed, you know? Yeah. And so we all often get into it because of our own, you know, our own wounding or our own, our own healing process. And then, you know, then we see that we want to help people through the the process as well as that. So that's what sounds like that was your um, your experience. And I'm, so I'm curious about, so there's a number of things we're going to talk about, you know, embodiment and intimacy, um, and why this is important sexual fantasy. Um, and we'll, and we'll specifically talk a lot about, um, you know, more in reference to your work, which is within the gay community. And, uh, just also to clarify that we, you and I have talked about this, this applies to all kinds of folks, no matter what you're, mm. you're, what you're doing and, you know, who you're interested in at what point in your life, um, this could be applicable to you. Um, so just wanted to throw that out there. And if you could just start by sharing, you know, why is embodiment so important in sex and intimacy? And I, I think some people also mm. are like embodiment. What does that what even does that mean? mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah what is embodiment? Why is it important? Yeah. Is, ah, do I want that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lovely question. Um, also, I mean, to say to just for a second before we go on to that too, like, yeah, like this is the work that I'm in because it is what I've been going through. And I think through the work, I'm finding more of myself and through yeah. all these other people that I work with and lots and lots of men. Yes. Um, I'm finding more of my own self. So it's kind of like this co-creative process with men, with people, men, and even straight, I have straight clients and straight couples and, um, you know, queer people of all different orientations. And, um, Embodiment and sex really, so like when we think about sex, we think about a bunch of images, like your brain just, you know, you think, what is sex? You know, you have like these pictures in your mind of like certain positions and the way you, you know, like the way it would sound and the way it would look and the way everything would kind of roll out. And so that's kind of like a fantasy text around what sex is. Um, But it's like a mental image, right? And so when we have this mental image, 
we kind of compare ourselves to what that is and where, you know, where does that framing come from? It's a collection of like, um, you know, images in the media, ideas that we have about what we're supposed to look like, be like, fuck like, um, along with a lot of other things too, like wounds that we carry from our childhoods, like maybe like with my dad, for instance, I can never, you know, I can never fight back. And so there's this part of me that in my sexuality wants to be able to fight back or, you know, there's just these stuff, all this stuff that we carry into sex. And um, because we have such a vulnerability around it as a collective whole in our culture, we're not really taught about it in a really helpful way in general. We're not, you know, instructed on it. Most people, I've seen some statistics recently, most men, their introduction to sex is porn. Mm-hmm. And that's where they're deriving a sense of like um, technique and all kinds of stuff. And then also like in school, you know, there um, were largely our first sexual experiences are not about exploration and connection. They're really about like, you know, positioning ourselves socially and our peer groups and like who thinks we're cool if we have sex with this person and it's kind of like this acquisition thing. It's about like power. It's not really about for most people. Um, hey, I like you. I want to explore with you. You know, I want to see what is that like? What is it like when you tell you? There's so much that we're bringing into it mentally. Mm-hmm. So all that basically wrecks your ability to just be really present with your partners. And we may not feel the effect of this if we're like hooking up or like single and just kind of, you know, rocking our world as a single because we get to kind of project on people in a certain way, like project onto, you know, uh, a guy that um, would hook up with or something like, oh, you're this kind of guy. And that means this to me. And da, 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 da. Um, but in a partnership, like you can't do that because that person knows you, they know who you are, they know all the issues that you're carrying, you know, that you can't just like make up who you are. So like you feel like the inhibition, you feel like the shutdown. And people describe that as like, you know, like I, you, know, you feel less sensation in your body or you kind of want to pull away from the experience. Um, you know, you like worry about the way your body is positioned and try to like manage what the person is doing with you so that you can like, you know, try to manage their opinion about you. So all these things are like showing up and they're in real time. That's going on in the body, but we aren't really connecting to what that is. Mm-hmm. So that's like the the pain point, right? That's how it shows up in most people's lives. So we don't want to go into all that when we're having sex often because it like makes us feel really vulnerable. It makes us feel really bad about ourselves to like be like, oh God, I'm really scared of connecting with you. I'm scared of you seeing me. So we kind of just like stay in all these images that I mentioned around sex and we try to reproduce these dynamics and images. And um, that's so different. That's such a different way of, being physical with someone than just like noticing how it feels to be touched, like noted and like in sharing what you're experiencing with the person and like meeting the sensation, like following the sensation around in your body and like really, you know, moving from that place about connection and pleasure than it is from about validation and becoming an image. I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds a lot of it was the, the people, there's the head and the being in your head and in your body, right? There's the, the it's piece being of present. Yeah. And presence. it's being in, in your body. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. A lot yeah. of it's, yeah, we're constantly caught up with the thoughts and the stories and the worries and the insecurities mm-hmm. and, you know, all these other, am I doing this right? Or is this right? Or, mm-hmm. and instead of like, what do I feel? And like, what's the right. sensations and what's happening That's in my heart? That's uh-huh. really hard for real because then it's asking you to like go to this vulnerable place. Cause if we go to where, well, what am I feeling right now? It's like, well, I'm feeling shame because you're yeah. touching me here and I don't like to be touched there. And like, or I'm feeling kind of scared that you don't want me in the way that I want you. Or, you know, so then it's like, oh, people are like, I don't, I don't feel that. So you just kind of stay cut off from it. But the, the way to really exonerate that, you know, space and like free yourself from it is to go there. 
mm-hmm. you, make, you know, like a conscious effort to like move into that and, and work through it. And then you become all the space that was taken up in your body with all this kind of, you know, fear or holding back or it starts to feel more electric. It starts to come alive and it starts to be able to be usable space. That's what I think of with embodiment is um, more aliveness. Yeah. Is this more, there's, there's, a, I, uh, I actually, I'm of you, April. There's this <laughs> shark tale. This is not even relevant really, but there was this little cartoon movie called shark tale and there was a shrimp in it. And the shrimp said, I work in the factory and I have three kids and I'm fairly happy. And those are not the exact words. And April and I had this joke about it, but I just think of the term of fairly happy as how a lot of people are living in, in right. especially with sex. Like it's good. It's no. okay. You know, you're tolerating, you're complying and, and, and it's there, or maybe not experiencing a lot of that aliveness and that embodiment, that deeper right. connection to you and your partners. Um, and so like, yeah, let's get away from, uh, okay. And fairly happy and move towards fuck. Yes. <laughs> I think right. th- this day and age, everyone's so in their heads and they're so in their screens mm-hmm. and you're so right Finn about kind of thinking the ways that people, you should be positioned during sex, or you've seen it one way in porn, or someone told you that was what a blowjob should be like. So you right. are, <laughs> you're not in an embodied space. You're more or less doing what you're trying to mimic. Maybe what doesn't feel good to you, which totally. I know I was guilty of over the years. And so I know that I've used meditation to sort of become a more present human. And I'm sure you have ways that you can suggest folks to become more embodied. Um, Our listeners love tips and tools. So can you talk a little bit about how folks can become more embodied? Yeah. Well, you know, meditation is a great way to start because it's like, if you're not paying attention to what you're experiencing and like really being mindful and holding a space for yourself to know uh, then you can't really start, you know, like in my mind. Um, and that can be like seated meditation or moving meditation. Like I dance a lot um, for that purpose. I work out, but like, it's not like, you know, you know, I go to the gym or something, you see people on their phone and kind of like watching TV while they're running on the treadmill. And I don't think that's what it, for me, it's like, no, like it's, I might listen to music, but I'm like, you're like tuning into the way it feels to move. How does that feel? Where's the quality of movement? Where is that? Oh, wow. I'm a little more tense here. And like trying to even out the body and you're really just being in the experience of movement. Same thing with dance, you know, like, oh, what's emerging for me? Not like, is this sexy? Do I look good? And like, is this like, you know, (laughs) but like, this is how my body wants to move with this feeling that I have right now. Mm -hmm. You know, like this feeling, if it were to take on a shape would look like this. Mm -hmm. And the same thing in sex, you know, it's like, you know, what am I feeling right now? The problem is that I think most people have like, a, and specifically men, and I don't, maybe women, y'all may could really help me with this too on, on the perspective of women, but men have a really a big poverty around how they describe their internal world. And there's a lot of frustration that women express around what men do with sex and how they approach sex. I mean, but you know, it's like men, like they don't know, like they don't know what, and like, you know, what, what turns you on about this situation? They're like, oh no, it's hot. <laughs> like, yeah you know, what, what else is there? You know, they don't know, they don't have like a vocabulary often to describe, well, what it is, is like when I do this with her or him, I feel like this sense of like really powerful agency in my body. And like this sense of like, I can do anything in the world, you know, and like, ah, so that's why it's so hot to you. You know, that's what, and that takes on a shape too. Like that, like when you're feeling really proud, right. You're really lifted up when you're feeling sad, you're kind of collapsed. And so Mm -hmm. I think in answer to your question, kind of bringing this full circle, start paying attention to the feelings that you're having in sex. Like, even if there's like a, a sadness there, or even if there's like something that's really challenging that's there, like bring it in. Like it has to, you can't, if you can't, you know, bifurcate your experience and leave part of it out the door and then also have like this fullness 
experiences as well. Mm -hmm. So in a situation where it feels safe, you can bring that piece in and let your movement reflect how you're feeling and using your body. That totally like blows away the like, you know, we were supposed to suck first and then fuck and then do this and that. And then, you know, like, it's more like, well, I don't know what I'll do. My body will just kind of lead me based on what I'm feeling. Such a different approach to sex. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, but you got to be in contact with that. So I think that's what I would recommend. Um, And I would say for even establishing that for people, what I recommend and I love doing is like a self-pleasure practice where you're in your mirror Mm -hmm. and clearing the space for it. You know, like instead of, um, you know, a lot of people when it comes time to like touch themselves, it's like a reactive thing. It's like I'm bored. And so I go to the computer and I start to play with myself versus like, I'm going to clear this space on Saturday morning at like 10 a.m. and for two hours and like pleasure myself and use my mirror and like be in that that's like affirming like this matters to me it's healthy for me it it's going to bring me something nourishing and you focus your you know your presence there and in the mirror you start to just like watch yourself not from like a fixing anything like you're not going to fix your hair so you're really going to like really be like who are you I want to know you this person mm-hmm. and um notice what comes up you know I a lot of guys that I work with will do that and like oh I can't do it I hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, why? Well, I just can't look at that. Or I can't, I'm like, yeah, but you know, if that's the way you feel when you really look at yourself, um, that's exactly what you're also carrying into your sex, mm-hmm. like with other people. Mm-hmm. You might think you're hiding it, but you're not, you know, like your body is just, you know, constricting its possibilities and its range and everything around this, like, please don't see that I hate to look at myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, mirror practice is beautiful. And then it's like finding what you love about yourself in the mirror, but also like anything that you do think is quote unquote hot from out there, certain kind of guy, certain kind of woman, certain kind of um, person and characteristics and then find that in yourself. Mm-hmm. So if it's like for me, for instance, I'm like five, five foot eight and three quarters, five, nine. Like I do like a large, I mean, my partner is, he's like, you know, six foot three. And that brings up some like dynamics sometimes where I'm like, oh no, like he's better than me or these beliefs that I have about that. But what I have to do is like, be like, I can't rely on a size Delta to like make him feel small if I'm wanting to take up all this space. Like I have to find that in myself. So in the mm-hmm. mirror, it's like, how do I embody that? Like, where's my, you know, size, where's my um, version of that symbolic meaning? Mm-hmm. Does that yeah. Be- yeah. yeah people do that a lot where they rule out a whole category of folks totally. based on size or appearance or I, I was always saying that I'm an energetic opportunistic human when it comes to partnerships and I'm like pansexual if you will where it's, mm-hmm. I go on energy and the and the human not someone uh, that looks oh you know a certain way and that is above mm-hmm. six two and mm-hmm. a lot of people like my single friends have their their uh what, what are little categories? Yeah, the boxes? categories or yeah. their little, yeah, their boxes. Yeah. It's like, what's your type? I'm like, mm-hmm. no type. Right. And I think that's also important if you are single or if you are partnered and this one thing is bothering you all the time mm-hmm. or coming up for you, that's your stuff, right? Totally. How to try to tap into uh, the physicality, the, the things, the other things, maybe uh, not the physicality, but also the energetic uh, attractions that come up for you too. I, I like that I was thinking, envisioning, and I'm sure you could do mirror work in a lot of ways. I was envisioning like a full length mirror on the ceiling or something, which Ooh. would be like kind of badass. I want one. I don't have one. It'd be hard to clean. Should. That's what I was it's just super thinking. super hard. Like, right, yeah. like, oh, there's a Windex on my bed. But uh, but yeah. yeah, something along those lines of just like really taking in all of you. A lot of people haven't even, well, I can speak for a lot of Volvo owners haven't spent time looking at their genitals in a mirror because they're kind of tucked in in a way, right? So right. 
powerful practice to really take yourself in. Um, mm-hmm. One question I had for you. So on your website, I saw something that said uh, sex is central to the gay experience and intimacy is not or isn't yeah. um, and that you're here to change that. Um, can you explain more about that? Is this is this kind of more about like the embodiment piece and the more heart connection piece? Yeah, it is. Um, I love I love these questions. I'm really I just feeling grateful to be able to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, even to like what you're both really describing. You're talking about the type and like you know most people aren't in touch with that white because sex to mo- a lot of people. I mean, there's an awareness that there's meaning in it, but for most people, it's a physical experience. Men mm-hmm. describe it as a release, quote unquote, and it can be, but it's actually you're in touch. Uh, with the, you know, the meaning, that's what we're really looking for under the the physical experience. We're looking for the meaning, the existential piece. And then if we don't know what that is, we might have sex with a type of ours, quote unquote, but the sex sucks maybe because they're not really actually meeting you where you want to be met. Mm-hmm. So if it were as simple as like a type or like some sort of physicality, um, then it would always be great, right? When you landed that type. But it's not because there's a meaningful world and I call it like the mythopoetic world. It's like, the you know, it, it coordinates with like, our psyches and like our fantasies and this collective domain of information and all the meaning out there like religion is born of that like spirituality dreams um, archetypes right so fantasy is the same um and as it relates to gay men in this sexual experience like our culture you know i think this is my opinion um my bias gay culture is kind of at this place where permission has been like they've been like fighting for permission right as a collective whole, it's like, you know, it used to be, you couldn't, and it's still really terrifying for a lot of people to come out of the closet. Um, but in general, there's a lot more acceptance. And so there's this permission that's been established. Um, so sex has a different kind of characteristic than it would if like you had really like, for instance, if you had been like, you know, in high school as a gay person accepted and encouraged by your family to explore relationships and explore sexuality and really held in a conscious way and supported at school you have a really different kind of sexuality. You just kind of come into sexuality differently. Other countries that start sex ed way earlier, you know, they have a very different experience of sexuality, more positive affect. Um, you know, so gay guys, they'll meet and just like fuck before they know each other. And it's not bad. You know, it's like, great. You know, we, that's a great thing to be able to express your desire. It's, you know, but it's like, but past that, like what, you know, what is that? And when, when you ask people what is intimate sex, their natural first, you know, association is like what like eye gazing and mm-hmm. yeah so like one of my favorite questions is like well what's spiritual sex and then everyone's like well it's like eye gazing it's um breathing really, really slow <laughs> breathing i'm like okay what's hot sex and they're like well fucking fast and fucking, hard. Like, hard on the wall and like yeah. just sweat and like sucking and it's like it, yeah. like there's a, yeah. it, that like split is not you know like because there's a difference in like intimate sex versus like hot sex it's like the way that we imagine what it is that we're doing with our bodies so it doesn't matter if you don't know the person, it's the first time you've ever seen them and you're having sex with them, you're still doing something that is one of the most intimate things that you can do because you're connecting with that person in a way that touches your most vulnerable stuff, your childhood wounds, your expectations, hopes, dreams. It's all existential. It's not just this like, oh yeah, I loved it. We sucked cock. It was good. And that might be all that you're tuned into, but there's a different experience, right? It's like a meaningful thing. So that's what I really want people to understand in my work is like, What's beneath the sensation? What's beneath the physical pursuit? What, what does that mean for you? How does that give you access to an internal world in yourself that really is alive that you may not know about? And like, how can you like also behaviorally maybe like sculpt your sexuality in a way that helps you get more fulfillment, more joy, more connection with other people, more feelings of positive, you know, self-worth. 
when I've been on grinder or scruff with my gay friends, yeah. I always, because I love that shit. I've never done any of the app dating oh, yeah. before, she but found me a date found, once. So yes. great. And sometimes I'll just be like, let me see what you're working with here. So, because I never had experience with it and, uh, this isn't really helpful. I just thought it was, it came up for me while you were talking about that. And it's so awesome though, because you get dick pics like in two seconds. I'm like, right. okay, Wow, you know, they—they yeah. they, it just—it's straight to the point. When there's so much more finesse that has to go into a lot of the other, like Bumble and the the right. ones that are more <laughs> engaging with the hetero uh, sexual folks. Mm-hmm. So I just, but I love that too. That it's just right. straight to the point. Like, hey, and then it's like, want to come over? And I'm like, wow, yeah. you didn't even really get. It. Yeah, I mean, you just saw his tick pic and then a picture of <laughs> right. his, his body, but go, it, it works for some reason. And yeah. then, yeah, I, I, I but I like what happens at, you know, later, right? right. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the and question. So, I mean, a lot of folks just maybe just want to fuck. They, they don't right. want the whole intimacy part, but it is important even for your own self to kind of not to, not to value yourself more, but to get in touch with what you're into and what intimacy has been a huge challenge for me in, in many mm-hmm. of my relationships. It still mm-hmm. is because it's hard to define mm-hmm. what you what you want to talk about in as part of your sexuality. It's also yeah. scary, you know, and risky because there's vulnerability there. There also could bring up the, the you can also have these fe- these things, these blocks, these fears that come about not being, you know, enough. I don't yeah. have enough X, Y, and Z to be able to share myself or there I mean that so that I think that that's another thing is yeah, some people might just want to fuck. But mm-hmm. a lot of those folks also might just be afraid of what's next, what's on the other side, because that is there's a lot more at risk there, you know. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of risk with fucking too for all all folks too. Um, yeah. And when the heart's there, holy shit! Oh my right. god, go way deeper, and yeah. it's more. You right. can, both people will benefit in the long run. And if the person rejects you or is it feels like a rejection, that's also something that you can learn from, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, what came up for that person? What, because that could be just their stuff that they're holding on to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all like this world that people, we don't really, we're not taught again. We're not really shown nope. how to connect this to sex. We go, oh, this is forbidden. And this lives in this category out here. And like, how do we really access that? Like initially, like how did y'all, where did you first learn about sex? And what did your, what were your formative experiences there? Were they like? Ours? Yeah. Ours or, oh, um, my, I mean, I think I learned, I heard from peers, you know, and, yeah. and, the, you other know, kids. I, yeah, other <laughs> kids, comprehensive sex education that didn't talk about pleasure, yeah. um, media and things like that. I think I hacked into my mom's either like joy of sex or Kama Sutra book. Thanks mm-hmm. mom. She's listening. She mm-hmm. always listen to every episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like that. And so, and, and I, my mom did talk about birth control, but we didn't have conversations around pleasure. So yeah, and the rest of it, trial and error, just trying mm-hmm. some things and yeah. probably porn later and all of that, hence why I'm doing what I do now. I totally found my mom's porn when I was, I was young. Where Thanks, I, mom. How old was I? I was, try, I think I was 11 maybe when I actually, mm-hmm. and, and then before that, you know, maybe Playboys, but that wasn't sex. I just would look mm-hmm. at the naked bodies. I had masturbated at a young age, but I didn't realize it was, masturbation i just right. didn't really understand what it was but movies definitely yeah. i when other sex scenes came up in 80s movies vhs i would remember the right the part and rewind and fast forward until i got totally to the part and like walked like yeah yeah and that's but that's all part i think of being a child and not having access to the internet back then now mm-hmm. there's so much more access mm-hmm. and there's still not a lot of conversation mm-hmm. which right. is it's it, it is challenging you mentioned yeah in the u.s especially well, well, and, 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 it fix, go ahead. 
Well, I was to say the intimacy we're shown in on media is like the rom-com stuff. You know, it's it like, is, that, like it's not really it's a, books. Yeah, yeah, it's not a realistic picture. In fact, these things are so fucking hard to let go of. Like, I still have been recently. I mean, I've been struggling to let go of these images of like what things are supposed to look like or to be like, and when I don't really conform to that, like not shutting my own body down, you know, or even romantic projections too in relationship. Like, oh, it's supposed to be like this, and like what's underneath that image? That's a fantasy right? It's a fantasy of what things are supposed to be like. And the reason we have that fantasy is because it's not like that. And underneath it, we have a wound. It's like, if you peel that sticker of the fantasy back, it's a fear. So like if my fantasy, for instance, to illustrate is like, oh, when you walk through the door, you're supposed to just always want me. And that's like definitely a vulnerable admission of mine. Like, it's like, you know, you're supposed to want me all the time. And that's not like what it's not like that. But I'm like, you're supposed to want me like that. And and like have that, you know, and if it's not like that, something's wrong. And it's actually not true that nothing that something's wrong. You know, sometimes he's going through a hard time and he really needs some time to come towards me or, you know, but I'm like, well, this isn't like, you know, rushing into like sex. and <laughs> yeah. um, But in that, so there's an example, like, you know, underneath that's this deep vulnerability because I'm like, I don't know, I'm not wanted and. And this is proof of why. And that's part of my own erotic theme, you know, like issues around my parents and my dad and um, relationships that were really painful that I went through. So anything that like looks like that, if it smells like it at any level, I'm like, <gasps> yeah, he's you know, like, oh, my God, I just kind of feel tired right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what we were, we were going to ask you, um, about sexual fantasy and you kind of, kind of opened the lid Mm -hmm. on that jar a little bit. Uh, (laughs) but it's like to talk to folks about utilizing their sexual fantasies, which Mm -hmm. perhaps it is the rip your clothes off or sex on the washing machine. Who knows what it is? It's different for everyone. Maybe it's, uh, more of the BDSM stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, and can you talk a little bit about how tapping in or sharing your sexual fantasies can help uncover some of the needs emotional and uh also talk a little bit about how it can perhaps enrich or even mm-hmm. make your relationship with your partner or partners uh better improve. it totally can it's got to be like from well yeah there's just a lot of perspectives there to discuss but it, it can really help and the reason i say that is because like again these images that we hold are part of our fantasy text and fantasy could be anything. I, a lot of sometimes people are like, I don't really have fantasies. I'm like, yeah, we all do. <laughs> it, you know, it's experienced differently for different people. Somebody, it might be a narrative, you know, like there's a fireman that does this, <laughs> that comes at me. And, um, but, but for some people, it's just like, well, you know, he like, he rubs my shoulders. He does this, you know, but in real life, maybe that's not what's happening in the relationship, but that is the fantasy. Like he cares about me in this way. He invites me forward in this way. It's like to be interpreted symbolically or even a sexual position. Like, you know, like I've done a lot in workshops. I've found very valuable. It's like, have everybody kind of get get on their knees, like they're sucking dick. Like what comes up for you here? And people are like, worship, um, hatred, um, excitement, greedy, <laughs> yeah. everything. And we're like, oh, wow, listen to like the spectrum of like association around a body posture, which again, kind of circling back to embodiment, you know? Ooh, right? so I like, love that you do that, by the way. I love that you have people get into a, a yep. position and to feel what, that's mm-hmm. awesome. That's the only way to get that yeah. I found to get guys to really start understanding this like, oh, wait, it's like a meaningful experience. It's not just like, oh, it's fun. It's hot. It feels good on my dick. It's exciting. Yeah. And she likes me. And he like it. Yes. But like, oh, I'm also like, I feel like a king. Oh, also, I feel like I'm like, I have to take care of you and I have no choice. You know, these are the kinds of start the texts that start to really make us feel really fulfilled in sex. Um, and so, you know, you might be in a partnership to, to your question um, about, um you know, how can that enrich relationships? You know, like you might be having sex with the same person all the time, but sex is not the same thing as eroticism. You know, like mm-hmm. you can do it. <laughs> you, 
friction, but it's like how many it's two women. I mean, like how how long have women in history been like doing it but not getting nothing out of it? Mm-hmm. Right? It's like for the guy. Um yeah. because there's not like this meaning of the meaningful part about it, like what this is as an expression of for one. So your fantasies are like this like symbolic mythological narrative and like a, a text that you can really interpret that's like an archaeology of your childhood really of like everything that ever happened to you like this stuff around shame for instance you know like for me like it's forbidden you can't do it it's wrong you know like you sneak and i was like early on i was like sneaking all these different experiences and everything had to be like so secretive so naturally i've like developed this like appetite for like violation of prohibition you know like breaking rules and it brings me a sense of agency and like this like I claim what I want I do what I want so you kind of like get really turned on by things that are like taboo or violating some sort of thing and people have this like why is it so hot to me to like to cheat or why is it so hot to me to you know because there's a layer here you know in your fantasy world that like it needs to be address it needs to be understood it needs to be integrated into yourself consciously or you're going to keep fucking up stuff or you know um so you just start looking at that like what does this mean you know there's some awesome resources out what there. what does it mean if you watch step porn step, stepdad step just, i have porn. a friend of a friend though also knows myself uh i like step porn for instance like stepmom stepdad yeah, i don't know yeah. what it is it, it, oh wow it comes from this naughty. Having, it's so naughty. I never had right. any attraction to any of my step parents, by the way. Not, not a one, never. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, and now I'm in this step parent role, mm-hmm. and it's weird. And I'm like, oh, but she, but she kind of is a step parent, though. Right. Yeah. Is okay. the thing she has, you know, she her partner has three kids, <laughs> but and, it's like, and it kind of just started while you're in the relationship. Yes. Sounds like you're working through some shit. Like some, like, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, shit is it. Well, it's hard to say. Like, I couldn't know in this like moment, like instantly, because yeah. it's 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 indexed to lots of stuff. But it is, I would say, it's a like, it's a really valuable experience. The problem is, like, most people's fantasies, they bring up stuff that like we're not. They put us like in conflict with our preferred self image, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, oh, I don't want to even admit to myself that that turns me on. But really, it's like, why not? Like, really be curious about those things and start to like excavate it for meaning. So, like, the question would be like um, an initial question is like. In the presence of my object, I feel what? It's reflexive. You know, so mm-hmm. like you know, I, in the presence of this um, person, this type of person, this scenario, I feel what? And you just kind of like try to find like, how does this make me feel? What do you feel, Chip, when you're watching step porn? That it's bad. <laughs> oh, right. bad. Well, like, you know, like for Like I right? shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I shouldn't be doing it. It's not like as close as like incestual, but it's like there's like this like something in that and like a family dynamic for you to explore. I don't know if it's like, you know, connected to your own family um, experience particularly, but they're like, these are symbolic things. It doesn't mean necessarily step parent. It could mean like some component, like what does that really symbolize to you? I mean, I watched MILF porn all the way through high school all the time. As soon as I had a computer, MILF porn. Now I... Then it was taxi cab porn. Then it was taxi cab porn. (laughs) Well, this isn't about me. I just wanted to know. (laughs) This is great. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, like, all that kind of comes up a lot with, like, there's so much around incest and family. Uh, there is, you know, people are really horrified when they think those sorts of things. They don't want to talk about it, but it's like, well, well, of course, because there's like family wounds and dynamics that are unfinished. And the erotic is really, I think when we have fantasy, it's like the erotic showing us in like this, like projected way, like where there's a lot of meaning to go back to, you know? Yeah. So like doing naughty things, like, what about that? 
Yeah. I think it could be when you said this, that I always had such volatile relationships with my step parents growing up. Like this is my taking the control back in some way. So that's because that is what's come up because I've thought about it before. And Mm -hmm. I really do think when I'm doing all the, I'm doing so much work now on myself and, and now I am in this step parent role and it's to, to, it's to a daughter of my, my partner's daughter and I love her and she's awesome. And it's like, Oh, maybe it's me taking my power back and being like the best mm-hmm. possible step parent. I'm totally. like, yeah. So totally. it's interesting. And it, it's not all the time. It's just something that's come up where I'm scrolling through the categories. Let's see what this is about. And it's not exclusive to just a stepdad or a stepmom. It's either, or whatever looks better. Yeah. <laughs> I, give, I give it like a couple minutes. I'm like that boring. Next. Yeah. Next. Next. Which everyone has the deep anal scene. She yeah, says. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I don't know. If that's <laughs> yes, that the, would be me. The yeah. stepsons in there look really young. I'm like, is this person right. old enough? Barely legal. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but uh, that's just a side note for you. I love watching the way these the the sexual fantasy and our erotic stories are then what can get us turned on and how you know for as someone who's a mm-hmm. feminist who likes rape fantasies and things doesn't yeah. want to be raped you know and yeah. it's like you're saying it's conflicting but it speaks to some things from wounding you know and it's yeah. not I don't I, I was not raped in my in my lifetime and I do have issues with the masculine I have the issues mm-hmm. where I don't feel strong or I, I feel like I'm the care, have to caretake masculine etc so it's this this space where all of a sudden I can be in this other role or something like that yeah. so I just love looking at it from this perspective of there's not really anything to fix or no one is and no one is broken there's nothing wrong with you as long as it's consensual and there's a lot that can come through there when uh, when you explore it yeah absolutely in fact like um i encourage you to like you know the quote uh, i think you might have probably heard this quote esther perel says you know we light between the sheets what we protest in the streets mm, like, yeah. it's like a power dynamic you know it's like whatever we're finding hot whether it be in the collective domain which most people there's like a collective idea in our, in our country that shares all because we come from similar cultural values and things uh but there, that's like an inquiry into like our relationship to power and why, like, where does this, where does this fantasy for me hold some sort of broken relationship to power in myself mm. and to others in my early community? And that's really kind of the inquiry point. So yeah. of course, you know, like rape fantasies are one of the most common fantasies amongst women. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women are horrified by that, but it's like, well, of course, like, you know, and then like the meanings there too, it's like, you know, there's so many different meanings around it for mm-hmm. the world individuals, but like, I'm so irresistible. I couldn't stop. You couldn't stop. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if, if you have this deep fear of not being wanted, you know, um, you know, Oh, I'm so irresistible. I'm taken. Mm-hmm. I can't, you know, and, or like, you know, in this situation, this time around, like, I can't hurt anyone. Like I'm restrained. Like I can't hurt you with my sexuality. I'm actually just like confined now. I can feel safe enough to be turned on. You know, um, there's just so many mm-hmm. different meanings behind it. That's, you know, the, the taxi cab porn stuff started after I was assaulted by that Uber driver. <laughs> oh my God. That mm. is amazing. Me. Just put that together. I just put it together because wow. I was thinking. Wow. I'm not laughing at your assaulting. No, Sorry. Right. I didn't mean that, but just the fact that the light bulb just went on. It was very traumatic experience. I'm watching her eyes over here. I She's was like, thinking about it because yeah. I was like, wow. why do I like taxi cab porn? Yeah. Because it is, it's about taking back the control almost for me. It's for mm-hmm. me. And that's something that that was beyond my control and super scary and traumatic and, mm-hmm. and reassessing that it's that because that was in two, what, 2015, I think. Yeah. 2015. Mm-hmm. And the taxi cab porn started in mid 2016. Finn, you just did, you didn't know, but you just You're did some sex coaching. Oh, girl. 
relationship coach on April. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, but, but that sounds like very, very connected, you know? Um, wow. And, you know, that like, it's like, you know, whatever, like seeking power, you know, Jack Moran's The Erotic Mind, such mm-hmm. a powerful reference for people. I recommend everyone read that book, relationship, so non-relationship, whatever, you, to help you understand these sorts of things, you know, because you're either seeking power, you're trying to overturn some sort of ambivalence, you're, you know, wanting to violate a prohibition, or you're like having some sort of experience of, um, What's the other one? There's another one. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. I mostly remember just core erotic, oh, erotic movie stuff. Yeah. Yearning. Learning. Yearning. Uh, Yearning. Yearning. Oh, you're Yearning. Yearning. Longing. Longing. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like hot. Okay. The having is not as fun as like the wanting for it. Oh, the grass is always greener over there. Uh, <laughs> you know, for me, for instance, for me, you know, I really get turned on by like fantasies about my partner getting fucked or something. And it's like, you know, well, a lot of cuckolding is like really huge right now in the gay mm-hmm. community, actually. I don't probably in the straight world too, but it's like, yeah. What about that? You know, it's like wanting, wanting, wanting. Well, you look at my history, like there were years that I was just like wanting, wanting and vicariously experiencing sexuality through other people and like my friends. And like when people would come out of the closet, I would be like, well, I'm not gay, but I would just be like really envious of these people Mm. coming out of the closet and kind of like living through porn and living through all these images again, but not really in my own sense. So now I really have an embodied turn on. Yeah. Uh, you know, thinking about these things. Now, does that mean I really want it? You know, sometimes those sorts of things are fun, but often they're not for me, yeah. you know, in, in real time, just like you're saying, like great fantasy and, and all these other things, you know, um, incest and doesn't mean we want them, but I do think it's really powerful to stay curious about it and then to share that with your partners. Mm-hmm. You, you know, if you feel safe enough to it, I haven't tell um, married couples, I have couples that have been married for like, you know, eight to 10 years and they're just starting to open up about the desires of each other. Yeah like novel for them but like if they'll like schedule a time like we're just gonna like masturbate with each other i hate that word self-pleasure yeah mm-hmm. um and we're gonna tell each other dirty stories about what's really on our mind and you kind of like put a bit out there you know and like you share something that's a little risky and they get really turned on you know and then you go like oh and they share something you just kind of like you're trying to use your erotic energy to get turned on with each other about mm-hmm. this and you find all the overlaps that you have and um it's really really powerful yeah it can I be it can be uh, shameful in in some regard to share your deepest fantasies or desires, uh, and that's the stuff that, that's not. It shouldn't be right. We should all feel great about what our fantasies are, even sometimes if they are involved with rape or violence or uh, gang bangs or whatever they look like. But mm-hmm. I've been I felt shameful about my the porn that I've been watching. That's why I just outed it. Mm-hmm. Let you all know. I say too, like my, there's a tantric principle that I follow in my life and you know, like Joseph Campbell's like, follow your bliss. What does that mean? I mean, you heard that, right? So it's like following your bliss, what really enlivens you. And it might be outside of the programmatic way of life. And so you leave behind societies like, you know, like confines and you go into like the dark forest and you meet your like shadow and you come back. Um, that's like the hero's journey. Right. So mm-hmm following your bliss isn't just like following a good thing that feels good. Like underneath the bliss is the pain and like the terror and being mm-hmm. in contact with all the shit that like is in us and in the world, but also having this like unstoppable optimism in the face of it. Yeah. Um, and in fantasy specific to sex, that's too, you know, like, Oh, this really turns me on. I love going here. Well, if it feels safe and you, you're not hurting your body or another person go there, like follow, it's like, go, you know, follow the flame, burn through that fantasy and get to the, what's called the real. Mm-hmm. It's like the real is what does this mean for me? I mean, you'll never figure it out if you kind of hedge yourself away from the experience or you kind of block the shame. Like, what does it mean for me to want this? Like, I'm going to go into this rape fantasy and I'm really, you know, if you feel like you have the ego structure and the safety in yourself and in your partnership or, you know, fuck buddy relationship or whatever to do that, you can utilize it as like an intentional space to uncover meaning and power. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like what's yeah. beneath that? Like this right thing, you know, who knows? But like, it's like, uh, you know, feelings of what, you know, in your, in your development, I hesitate to say anything for a woman because I'm oh, like, yeah. no, I don't want to be yeah. that guy. I don't know yeah. what that's like. Again, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean like there's the yeah, powerlessness, there's yeah, yeah, kind of caretaking of the, the masculine's mm-hmm. emotions of yeah. putting them first and me being beneath and below and mm-hmm. et cetera, feeling kind of walked all over in certain ways. And um, yeah, so, the, and I, and I, and I see that and I see that there is a reclaiming of power in it being in my fantasies and as, and then in sex, I can, you know, I don't do rape fantasies stuff but some dominant submission stuff mm-hmm. where I'm consenting you know I'm choosing that and actually just so you know like the bottom has a lot of power I'm topping from the bottom oh okay God, so much it's always hangy on the bottom right it's and that's empowering I'm like I'm still mm-hmm. submissive but like I'm running the show here too so yeah. um yeah I love all this we have to we have to wrap this up because oh, we have Lord, some girls. I know we could talk about this that's why we are going to do this in person we're going to come to okay. San Francisco and we do this in person and hopefully your wonderful beautiful partner whom you just got engaged to yes, yes. oh my god I love Happy. him yeah, I'm married this guy. I love it. I like. I've always wanted a husband. It just feels like. Oh my god. He's like I don't know. I don't have this association. Like, oh, that's heteronormative. I'm like, yes. Like, he's yeah. my husband, and I yeah. want. That. Yeah. Well, congratulations. So happy for you. Any workshops you have coming up, and can you let our listeners know how they can find you or work with you? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, workshops coming up. Um, I don't have anything in the media future i do i'm going to be like teaching it if you're if someone you know a gay man wants to go to a queer man wants to go to the tantric love festival in glastonbury next year or this coming mm-hmm. fall it's in august i'll be there everything that i'm doing though i will be having local events it's on my website so findearheart.com and that's f-i-n-n-d-e-e-r-h-a-r-t.com there's a regular posting of events there um, sign up for my newsletter and there's a resources page and i also just for the listeners like some really awesome quick resources to go to would be like Esther Perel's book, Mating in Captivity, mm-hmm. um, Jack Morin's book, The Erotic Mind, um, Heart of Dominance by Anton Fullman around like dominance and submission and headspace. Um, those are some really great places to start. Awesome. Nice. And then you do sessions with people in person and online as I well? I do. Yeah, cool. yeah. In-person session work in San Francisco um, at the Center SF and then online on Zoom or Skype. Oh, we Aww. love the Center SF. We've yeah. done a workshop there. Well, I am so yeah, thrilled that I got to meet you and- yeah. That you solve some of my deep <laughs> right? sexual fantasies. I'll send you an invoice. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, we totally worth it. absolutely enjoyed having you on the show, oh. Finn. So thank you. Yes. And thank you. all of our shameless sex listeners out there, thank you for listening to this bonus episode, this ad-free, ad-free <laughs> bonus episode. <laughs> we will see you next Tuesday or whenever we uh, see you next because this is probably on a Friday. So <laughs> ciao for now. Don't forget to head on over to our website at shamelesssex.com for more. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSPP in all caps at purepleasureshop.com.